In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Actually, St. Paul answered your question in Romans chapter 14. There was actually a dispute about should we eat what's offered to the idols or not. Some people said there is no other God except the real God. So this meat that's offered to the idol are offered to nothing. So if they are offered nothing, I can eat from it. But some people say no. If it is offered to an idol, then people believe in the existence of other God. So if I eat this meat, I will be defiled. You know? So it's similar to your question. If I feel I'm defiled because my conscience rebuked me on something, should be I condemned before God or not? So that's the question. So St. Paul said in Romans 13, okay, in verse 14, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself but to him who considers anything to be unclean to him it is unclean so if I consider eating from this meat unclean it is unclean to me Uh, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food you are no longer walking in love do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Verse 20, Bardo answered your question clearly. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Although it is pure in itself. Also, another verse answered your question, verse 23 the last verse but he who doubts is condemned if he eats but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin but having said this thank god now we have spiritual fathers so if there is something i condemn myself in it it's better to go to my spiritual father and I discuss it with him if he told me you are too strict with yourself nothing wrong in it then I with obedience I accept his teaching with faith then it's not sin or evil for me anymore so my advice to you if you are confused about something or misinformed or you feel guilty about something Nothing wrong to go and discuss with your spiritual father. If he told you, yes, you're right, then you're right. If he told you, no, you are overly strict with yourself, 
you should not think this way, then you you will obey him with with faith, then it's not any more uh, sin or evil. So for me, uh, if we ask, uh, I ask myself, uh, if the verse seek first the kingdom of heaven, uh, and I consider uh, how I allocate my time, and I consider uh, a simple, like logical thing of the things that I love, I spend more time with, or I spend more time to. And so if I consider that in my life and I see that I'm giving so much time to school, it's the obligation that to study things like that. Some people are have genes which are they can spend less time studying. Listen, I'm giving more time to school, more time to this, and I look at my time, I'm giving so much less time to God. Even though my father positions is okay, or doing this, but I desire to do more. You know? I feel like it is not enough. And for that reason I feel like my life is good. So yeah, how do I know? I mean, based on this simple, logical, you know, principle, I'm not loving God as much more than I love other things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. I, I, I think the problem with your question is when you divide your life into two life. Life for God, consecrated for God, and life for the world. For example, when I pray, when I'm in church, it is for God. But if I'm playing like outside, uh, now it's for the world. This separation is not right. And the answer to this in First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. St. Paul said, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, exploring, playing, sleeping, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. So if I'm studying, I'm doing for the glory of God. If I'm working for the glory of God. If I am playing, I am also glorifying God. In my mind, how to glorify God, how to demonstrate Christian conduct and Christian, uh, you know, so when I play with my friend, I, I, I am light to the world and soul to the earth. When I'm eating, you know, I'm taking care of my body so I can worship God. When I'm sleeping, etc., etc. So in this way, actually, you will not condemn yourself about spiritual activity and non-spiritual activity. Because any activity, you are doing it for the glory of God. But I understand your desire that you need to give your undivided attention to God more. But just I want to explain first, and for a Christian, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Yes, if everything is sanctified because the Holy Spirit is inside you and you are doing everything for the glory of God. But the, the, the second point about, you know, I want to give my undivided attention more to God. I, I think with good management skills uh, and how to allocate my time and to distribute it fairly among everything, uh, among studying, working, social time, praying, exploring, everything, you know. So at the end, I will offer to God what I have. But a person actually who loves God really, really from his heart, even 24-7 will not be enough. So even if he give 
to God at the end he will feel he needs more. And that's what the Lord said, blessed are the hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for the, they shall be satisfied. We read in the story of St. Arsenius, he used to pray from sunset to sunrise. And when the sun started to rise and hit his eyes, he used to say to the sun, why did you distract me from being with God? So he spent almost 12 hours in prayer. And after the 12 hours in prayer, he needs more. And I think some of us, we, we test this like in the day after Good Friday or Abu Ghanim sees, although we spend all night in the church or the whole Good Friday, uh, but at the end, and I know many people, many people, and I'm one of them, you know, at the end of the day, I need it more. It's not enough. I, I need to spend more time. So you should not, your conscience, your conscience should not condemn you on this. Because blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So if you are hungry and thirsty to spend more time with God, the, the, yeah, what's available, what, what you can offer in, in your in the question. Yes, uh, in the confession during the liturgy, it has it twice uh, where during the priest part and the part it says he made it one with his divinity or he gave it up for us on the Holy One on the Cross and it is is capitalized. And what is what is that referring to? I mean, what does that mean for us theologically? He made it the, the humanity. He, the Son of God, mm-hmm. made the humanity one with his divinity, mm-hmm. without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. So it here, the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he gave it up. He gave his body mm-hmm. against the humanity because the divinity doesn't die. Mm-hmm. But the divinity does not die. Mm-hmm. But who died on the cross? The humanity. Mm-hmm. But if I'm speaking humanity and divinity, that's notorious. Mm-hmm. So St. Cyril in his book, The Unity of Christ, he said there is what we call exchange of properties. Mm-hmm. So when I say Son of God died on the cross, or I can say God died on the cross, this expression is theologically correct. Mm-hmm. Because there is no separation between the humanity and the, the, the divinity. Mm-hmm. But he gave it, he gave up his body, the body of Christ, that's why it's capitalized mm-hmm. for us, upon the holy wood of the cross of his own will for us all. Mm-hmm. So it's not Pilate, it's not the Roman, but his by his own will, he, he, death could not approach Jesus Christ unless he allowed death to come to him. Mm-hmm. That's why the theological term, we don't say Jesus died, but we say he accepted death unto himself. And that is the, the term that is used in sincere liturgy. Mm-hmm. He accepted death to himself. He allowed death to come to him. All of us, we die, but Jesus, no. Jesus accepted death, allowed death to approach him. He is immortal. The Lord was not denying that he is good, but he is telling him 
No one is good is God. So do you believe that I'm God? So if you believe that I'm God, that's why you call me good teacher. Are you going to listen to me? Because he, when he told him, go sell what you uh, sell, sell what you have and give to the poor, he did not do. For example, if you come to me and you tell me, uh, Sayyidna uh, the Bishop of Southern Rises, but you don't believe in priesthood, somebody who's a Protestant and, and comes and address me, your grace, Bishop. So I tell him, do you believe that I am Bishop? You know, uh, I'm not denying that I'm a bishop, but I'm questioning his faith. Do you believe in the, in the priesthood? Okay, so if you believe in the priesthood, why you are not practicing it as a Protestant? You understand what I mean? So the Lord is not denying that he is good. Of course he is good. He is all goodness. But he's asking, do you believe that I am good? No one is good except God. So are you going to listen to me? But you are not going to listen to me at the I had a question to uh, uh, yeah, I think is, is asked and is on the mind of a lot of you. That can you can you please give us a good definition and, and rule uh, to live with and to understand the will of God in our lives? A lot of us sometimes we take on for me, um, and then it, it, it permeates a lot of our perception of things and steps in, that we take in our lives. So what would be a good definition and a good principle to live with and to correctly understand the concept of the will of God in our lives? First, I, I like to, to explain what is the concept of the will of God. And then I will tell you four practical steps to be able to know the will of God. So it doesn't matter to God whether to go to medical school or pharmacy school or law school or it doesn't matter to him to live in Nashville or Memphis or Cairo or America or Australia you know because sometimes we 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 try to know what God wants from me does he want me to uh, become a monk or to marry or to consecrate myself and we get into the details let me give you an example. If I am, if I have a company, and I want actually to hire accountant, all what I'm expecting from the accountant to give me at the end good accounts, right? So if the accountant came to me and told me, do you want me to use money exchange or Quicken or QuickBooks? Or, I'm going to tell him I don't care. <laughs> use whatever software you need. But at the end, I want the accounts to be perfect, right? So what is the will of God? The will of God actually, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be a saint. This is the will of God, your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So keep this in your mind. When you choose to live in, in one city and not the other. Is this city going to help you to be sanctified or not? Uh, for those who are f- uh, looking for the verse, it is verse 3. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God. Sanct- sanct- marriage. Should I marry this person or that person? 
the person who will help you to be holy, that is the will of God. To be a monk or to uh, marry. The way that help you to be a holy person, that is the will of God. You, you understand the concept? So that, that is a concept. God wants you to be saint. That's the will of God, your sanctification. Then what are the four points? Number one, God Alina, ask and you shall receive. So ask God, I don't know. I don't know which way I should walk in. I don't know whether marriage or monasticism will help me to be a saint or not. So if I'm asking you now, I know you're well, but because of my lack of wisdom, I don't know whether to live in this city or that city, or to go to this school or that school, or to marry or, or to become a monk. I, I, I don't know uh, which way actually will help me. That's why one of the, my favorite verses actually that I used to pray personally. If you go to the Agbeya, last in the first hour of Agbeya, last Psalm, O oh Lord, hear my prayer, Psalm 142. So 143, 143 in the Bible. You know there is a difference between the Bible and the Agbe. It is verse 8, verse 8, second half of verse 8. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. And actually before I joined the monastery, I was praying this verse all the time. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk for I lift up my soul to you. So that's number one, pray and pray and pray and pray. Number two, you need to acquire the mind of Christ to be er to be able to, to have the virtue of discernment. And you can discern whether this way will help you to uh, be sanctified. This person will help you to be sanctified in marriage. This school will help you to be sanctified. In, in, in your choices and how to acquire the mind of Christ through the reading of the scripture read the scripture more and more and more and more and the more you read the scripture and you you are rich in the word of God you will be able to discern you know what no I, I don't think this is the will of God I, I don't think if Christ in my situation he wouldn't choose this way if Saint Anthony if St. John Chrysostom, if St. Cyril, if St. George, they wouldn't choose this. Right? That's the mind of Christ. Number three, get advice from spiritual, godly people. Spiritual, godly people. Before my monasticism, I went to several fathers and, and I had some question about monasticism. And I went to several fathers to get answers to this question. And I shared with them my desire and I get advice from them. Number four, use your mind. God, God give us my, our mind to think, to discern, to make decisions. So if you have different options, you can make a table and write all the different options in front of you. And under each option, write Pros and cons, pros and cons, pros and cons. Pros and cons based on what? Making more money? No. Pros and cons based on your sanctification. Okay? And choice number one. These are the pros. 
will help me to be a saint. These are the cones. Choice number two, pros and cons. Actually, don't fill this table in one, one sitting. Because sometimes when you think more, God will, will send more ideas or, or more points to consider. So take your time, maybe 10 days, 15 days, until you finish uh, the table. And until you exhaust, خلاص, nothing more to be added. Then actually when you look at the table, and of course one of the things you will be added, the advice and that you get it from the spiritual wise people. At the end when you look at it, I'm sure very easy you will say this is the will of God for me. That's what I should do to continue my journey in sanctification. This clear? I have a follow-up. Like, for example, like, how about if God gives you an answer, and you know it's the right answer, and like based on yesterday's sermon, even if you go against the will of God, you're sooner or later you're gonna realize. And so, like, how do you convince yourself, even though like you know, but like there's like this ignorant part in you that still wants to rebel, try your way, know that you're gonna fail, and then give back to what God has desired. And so like, I know it's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but like, how do you get to will? And like, sure, I have the desire to follow God's will, but how do I convince myself now I need to get into that path? <laughs> <laughs> there are three types of people. St. Paul classified people into three types. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. People he called them carnal, People he called them natural, people he called them spiritual. Carnal, they will follow their own lust, their own desire. That's why they are carnal. Natural, they will follow their mind. Not not the instinct, but the, the mind. Spiritual, they will follow the will of God. So this will be a struggle to a natural person or a carnal person. For example, if one of my weaknesses is the love of money and God doesn't want me to get this job because this job is in a country where there is no church and or, or like Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, you know, I'll be surrounded with wicked people, but Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah. He, in, in, in this decision, Lot was carnal. He chose Sodom and Gomorrah just for the prosperity in it, although the people were wicked. So that's a struggle here for, for him. And, and the natural who follow their mind above the, the will of God. So yeah, I agree with you, it's a struggle. I, I, I know at the end, if, if I'm carnal like Lot, uh, if I'm natural following the philosophy of this world, it's not the wisdom of God, at the end, I will suffer. The natural, like the children of Israel, when they we want king like other nations. And God said to them through Samuel, the king will do this and this for your children. But they accept it, you know. So here, the power of the Holy Spirit, when I, when I cry and I get on my knees, asking God to give me power and mind to defeat the carnal person in me, to overcome the natural person in me, to be led by the Holy Spirit, you know, it needs prayer, it needs support system godly, 
to tell me, no, you're wrong, don't go this way, needs a cloud of witnesses around me, the intercession of the saints, to pray for me. So through this power, I will be able to say no to the carnal person and to the natural person, but I will follow the will of God. Um, so in today's uh, sermon, I talked about uh, part of it was about suffering, and uh, uh, I was reading something that's talking about how we can suffer as a Christian as opposed to there's a Christian who is suffering, that there's a difference. And they talked about um, knowing the cause of the suffering so that we can uh, remedy it based on the cause. And so my question is, how do we determine the cause? Because we're all sinners, so there's that, that's always the option. Maybe I'm suffering because of a sin. And then there's the other options, and it's always going to be the two options. So how do I determine the cause of suffering? When I suffer because of my sin, usually the connection between the suffering itself and the sin is clear. For example, Jacob deceived his father. So he was deceived by his children. So we can say why Jacob was deceived by his children and they told him Joseph is dead because he deceived his father. I'm smoking. So if the person gets lung cancer, then he can relate this to that. A person living in sexual immorality, if he gets AIDS or sexually transmitted diseases, this belongs to that. If I did not study and I failed my exam, this related to that. So most of the cases, very, very easy. Uh, you can connect this with that. And the Holy Spirit actually, he, he will rebuke me and tell me you are suffering this because of that. I know parents who, for example, did something wrong in their youth and they repent. And later on, something happened to their children. And they were able to connect this to that, you know? Although they, because repentance doesn't cancel the discipline David repented, but Nathan told him, the son will die, the sword will not depart from your house, etc. And sometimes God allows this. This is not the case all the time, but God allows this to keep the person in his repentance all the time. If suffering because of the corruption of the world, like the story of the man who was born blind, it, it will be clear. And this baby was born blind. He did not do anything. So it's very clear that the reason of the suffering of this person is born in a corrupted world. If this attack uh, from Satan on the church, it's clear, like the persecution, like killing of the Christian, etc., is clear. If it is discipline from God, you know, if you are driving carelessly, so one thing, your car will, will be damaged. That is the consequence of your criticism. But the police comes and give you ticket. So here you suffer two things. But the ticket actually to improve your driving. So when I do something wrong, maybe I suffer the, just the consequences of my sin, plus God may give me a ticket. That's a discipline from the Lord. But the discipline, yes, it's fairly yeah, to to have a ticket and to pay it and to go to driving school or whatever, it's painful. But at the end, this training 
will improve your, your grinding. In the same way, the purpose of the discipline, it, it will improve from my spiritual life. But not all the time discipline is because of something wrong. For example, if a child has a lot of toys and uh, he asked for a more, uh, another toy, but his parents told him no, he didn't do anything wrong. So saying no here is a kind of discipline not to spoil the, the child. Sometimes when God tells us no, we are angry, we are not happy. But if I trust him and I trust his economy, I know at the end this is for my best interest. And the last one, the test of faith. Here teachers examining us to evaluate us. But God is all knowledge. So the examination or the test of my for my benefit, I will learn from this experience. Like when God tested Abraham, Abraham grew in faith. When God tested the widow at Serpent Saida, when Elijah went to her and told her during the time of famine, make me bread first. And she made him bread first. And God blessed the flour and oil. So this blessed her. So sometimes more than one reason, it's not only one reason. But if you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, and you examine yourself by the grace of the Holy Spirit carefully, it would be very easy for a person to know what are the reasons of his suffering. So you know, when, when your grace say uh, a test of faith, could that, could that be that uh, God is, is, uh, is purifying them through bigger trials? Uh, let's say this is somebody that loses their children or uh, that are born with, you know, their children are born with severe congenital uh, disease. Would, you know, would that fall under, you know, a lot of times we hear in the Rabbanah, God is, is giving you a bigger crown. Uh, is, is that is that a true statement or is that not you know, accurate to say? I will put the two examples that uh, you mentioned under uh, the corruption of the world, not under test of faith. Test of faith is something direct from God. Uh, like, go take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. That's test of faith. But losing a child or having a child with congenital anomaly is part of living in a corrupted world. But test of faith, like, you know, at the end of the month, we are in, like, today, Camp 17, all what I have until the end of the month is $100. And then somebody in front of me and needs my $100 need them urgently. Am I going to give them the hundred dollar or not? You know, that's a test of faith. I have choice to say no, but I have choice to give them the hundred dollars. And, and trust is that God, like the, the widow at Surfit side, she made the same and God blessed her. So when I give them the hundred dollar, and I have many, many stories like this, people give يعني, the, the last penny with them, you know, to God and God blessed them blessed them uh, abundantly for the, their giving. Not necessarily he blessed them by money, but he blessed them in their children, blessed them in their health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are different uh, yeah, kind of, of blessings. Okay. So you have a question. So you said that in the spiritual life, either growing or going back. There is no like stagnant zone. So how would you feel that you're growing? Is it humbleness? <laughs> that to feel bad all the time 
and not to glorify God for his work with me. If the reality I am feeling I'm regressing, then I'm not growing, if that's the reality. If I'm drifting away, if, if uh, my desire to pray, my desire to be with God, my, my desire to spend more time with him, my desire to, or some new sins entered my life, as the frequency of some sins increased, then I, I am regressing. But if I am growing and then I say, no, I'm bad, just to be humble, I'm denying the grace of God that's working in me. So, so the here, nothing wrong to acknowledge the work of God in me. But I know it is not me, it is the grace of God. Like if my physical health is deteriorating, and then I went to a good physician, and he told me, you know what, take this medicine and do this and do this, and now actually my hyper, my my blood pressure is back to normal. My blood sugar is back to normal. I, I, I know that I am healthy now. You know, all these symptoms that I have before disappeared. I'm not going to give credit myself. I'm going to say, yeah, thank God I am better now. But all the credit goes to this physician who actually was able to diagnose me and to treat me. You know, in the same way, nothing wrong to say, yes, thank God now I am more committed to my spiritual canon. Thank God I'm not getting angry like before. Thank God I am not uh, lying like before. I, I overcome smoking. Now I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking for so many years. And, and But to give credit, I, I didn't do anything of this by myself, but it is the grace of God. So the person can or should know if he's progressing growing or not. And the best way to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Am I carrying this fruit? Am I growing in this fruit? If you have a tree, no fruit in it, then something wrong in it. So it is not against humbleness to feel that you are growing. What's against humbleness is to give credit to yourself, not to God. David, onto your name. Um, actually, it's two questions. Some of the youth that Isa have been discussing, like, what, like about the body and soul, a person dies. But some, yani, some people brought up like the objection that the body has no value to it after death, since the soul departed. But they don't see any. Yani, why does the church? Why is the church against cremation? Why is the church they, like emphasize burial? Yani, some of them think it's just because we come from a culture that says the criminal made them. So. The first question is, does the body have value after its death? And why would it have value if the soul left it? We have a story in the scripture about Elisha and his bones were able actually to raise dead from death. And I think that the scripture recorded this story for us to tell us how our bodies have value. And Elisha was in the Old Testament. What about our bodies now that are anointed by the holy oil? It's a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and we are united physically with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm saying physically with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So after all of this, we say it has no value. Of course, definitely not. It's honor. 
it's honored because my body is a vessel that carried the Holy Spirit as, as a vessel and united with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question following if the body truly does have value, because it Okay, before I, I thought second question about cremation, but let me go back to cremation because I want to explain. If you read the story, the history of cremation, I know right now some people do it for economic reason. But if you read it, the, the history of cremation, people were challenging the idea of the resurrection of the body. So they were challenging God. Okay, we will burn the body and let us see how God will be able to, to raise them. So it started as a heresy against the resurrection of, of the bodies in the last day. And in the scripture, in the Old Testament, it was a curse if they burn a person. Even in the cultural concept, it's a curse. Uh, this culture concept did not come from void. It came from religious uh, conviction. And even in, in the, in one of the things that we brought in Masan, in Moses, God told him, But here actually, when I'm using the body to teach, actually this is a value, because these students will be doctors and will treat many, many people. It's like the idea of organ transplant. We are not against organ transplant, because if you're going to save somebody's life, then nothing wrong with this. So if you dissect a body and benefit from it, nothing wrong with it. But is the church uh, against, for example, like miscarriage, I'm not speaking about abortion, miscarriage, is to use this uh, tissue uh, for stem cell research. Or uh, Definitely we are not against it. We are against using uh, abortion. You know, you know the, the fetus was aborted, but miscarriage happened. And we use this for their study. Actually, it's something good you do it. Uh, it's not something bad. It's the same idea of dissecting the body to, to benefit. And at the end, but body should be buried. Not well, I think it's just the question was because we agree that the body needs to be buried. How someone's conscience be okay dissecting the body when he knows his body's going to be cremated? But I'm not going to... About cremation, that is the, the, what the school is doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible about it. Mm -hmm. but, but to dissect a body and to learn from it, Nothing wrong with it. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. What about in regards to giving your own body for this purpose, knowing that you after it could be cremated? I, I, I think you can. Yeah, a person can write in the well, mm -hmm. but I want to be buried. It can be used at the end. for teaching, yes. but not. Ah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, in Jeremiah 1:5, when he says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." 
before you were born, asking the question, how does this verse play? This has nothing to do with the abortion or it has to do with the eternal economy of God. So God, before even the foundation of the whole world, has a purpose for each one of us. As St. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, we were created for good works. Let me get the verse exactly. It's Ephesians chapter 2, I think verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God prepared these good works. Even before our creation, he prepared these good works before before we were created. So God said to Jeremiah, even before you were formed, before you were found, Jeremiah was in the mind of God to, to be a prophet for the nation. Uh, does that also uh, hold true for the the poor soul that was formed and then by the choice and the free will of the parents was aborted. Can, can this exact sentence that your grace is saying that it wasn't the economy of God, the soul, Absolutely. but then because of the reckless decision of the parents and then it Absolutely. was aborted. God has a plan for this soul. <coughs> then the, the parents decided to destroy and to kill. So they are not only, it is not a sin of murder only. But it's a sin that opposing the plan of God. COVID for the past year, so uh, we see it in the service. At least I see it on myself. Uh, there's a lot of zeal for the service, and so like, what tactic are you using as a, like a bishop to like recommend to the priest or something? Because the service is at least is dying in uh, within our community, where like the kids got lazy, the servants got lazy. A lot of us are fighting whether it's the depression or the despondency and like. You, you're right, you're right. The, uh, actually, I gave um, a servant meeting, I think it was in Dallas. I spoke about five things, five yani, outcome from the COVID. One of, the, of them, you know, the laziness, the despondency, uh, depression, uh, loss of zeal, uh, parents, children, servants, uh, everybody. And sometimes we as clergy, and after Muslim, I used to do visitation, uh, 15 families every week. Now during COVID, there's no visitation. And now, yeah, okay, they are 10 for this book, I used to have a fish, because of COVID, etc. And before every Sunday you have to go to church. It's enough once, uh, once a month. It's very weird the announcement. Very, very weird. My heart was broken from day one. I am eager to open the churches. I am eager to go back 100% capacity. Sunday school, conventions for the youth, for the children, youth meetings, all activities. But uh, we are under the, the control of CDC. But once in, in the CDC, I'm in Texas, they allowed us to go back 100%. فأنا قلت الكنائس immediately افتحوا كنائس 100%. خلاص احنا كده we are against the will of God. يعني the, the government قلت لنا خلاص افتحوا 100%. 
why I should uh, يعني restrict the, the churches here بقى زي ما كنا نتكلم عن will of God I am working against the will of God حتى تحكت معهم تلوم مثلا تيك تصلي the litany for the assembly وتقول grant to be for us without obstacle or hindrance تقول ربنا هيقول لك أنا I made it without obstacle or hindrance أنت العمل obstacle or hindrance مثلا تقول له وانت بتقفل الستر تقول له Oh Lord make the doors of the church open for us فأنيوي يعني and I think one of the, of the things that we need to do نحن to go back to, to normal according to the law of the state لكن we should not actually go stricter than what the church what the, the, the state or CDC is, is allowing us والحاجة الثانية إن برضو we should يعني servants should start doing visitation coordinator should do visitation to the servants أبونا should do visitation so visitation and reading the Bible together and praying together will stir the zeal again among our hearts برضو نشكر ربنا زي مثلا لما نعمل servants in monthly servant meeting ده على زوم مثلا مرة عملنا مع سيدنا البابا مرة مع أم برافيل أم بدانيال أم بسرابيون كان أسبوع فاتح أبونا داود لامعي I think this برضو بت encourage all of us وبت يعني استر الزيل back in us يعني. we should know إن إحنا we need the church as we say in St. Gregory liturgy you are not in need of my service but I am in need of your lordship it is for us so through sermons through visitation, through going back to normal, having conventions, meetings, youth meeting, I think this will get us, all of us, back to the zeal that we have, uh, we had before COVID. ومشيين وكده يعني ف 
uh, I, I, يعني we saw a monk uh, going يعني for his يعني uh, walk in the evening كده كنا حوالي ساعة وصلنا حوالي خمسة 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 ونص كده بعد ظهر so he was taking a walk فشاف اتنين شباب صغيرين كده very exhausted فيعني من محبته he insisted to carry my my bag وانا رفضت بس he insisted to carry سأل لي بص انت في العالم you read when you come to the monastery it's opportunity to apply what you read what is the benefit in انت to read and read and read and you don't apply well actually I found many people who read a lot and they became scholars but when they apply simple principle in love in humbleness in putting others before themselves they don't do so what all this reading would benefit them so as you said working actually will will help you it's not about if I am task oriented actually I give show it less but the work in Monster is not business. يعني إحنا مش عايزين نطلع رهبان يعني رعاد أغنام شبرد ولا مجارين ولا مش this is our goal. But but the work actually helps to discover our personality, our spiritual personality, the weaknesses and the strengths in my personality. So when you go and work, it's the goal here is not to achieve a goal, but during the work, what's your يعني, endurance? What's your patience? What's your love for others? What's your obedience, etc. So it's opportunity actually to practice what you read during your life. أنت لازم تسافر عشر ساعات عشان تطير لكن هي الأيدية يعني أنت by working you are exploring your spiritual يعني يعني to monks quarter and يعني, lay people quarter in order يعني, for the monks to, to, to enjoy the calmness and the quiet so, so ليها دور انها تعلم الولاد وتبقى برو اكتف قبل ما يتعلموا في المدرسة وقبل ما يتعلموا من اصحابهم الكنيسة ليها دور انها تتيج يعني تعمل سيكس ايديكيشن فروم كريشن برسبكتف طبعا درار ميني بوكس تكلمت يعني على what you need to teach the children 
يعني في في كتب كتيرة بالعربي كانت نشرتها صفية الشباب عند نهاية الأنبى موسى ونهاية الأبرافي في كتب كتير لكن في أبونا لؤة اللي هو في نيوجيرسي هو was a psychiatrist before هو عمل كتاب وعمل كوريكلم for Sunday school about six وده جميل جدا يعني أنا أنصح أن أنتوا تجيبوا الكوريكلم ده والكتاب اللي أبونا كتبه هو الكتاب على mental health in general بس في حاجات نعم Yes وده ممكن وفي كوريكلم يعني في كل جريد فده يعني أنا أي أي ريكومنت في أطلاق في سكول إن سكول بايس يا ريت تكلموا أبونا بوليكاربوس so this can be integrated يعني حتى لغاية لما في integrated it can be like extra curriculum يعني بدي الدرس اللي موجود في النيو curriculum وفي نفس الوقت باخد الحاجات دي يعني وبزود يعني it will be 5 minutes 10 minutes extra زينا there is I don't know there is a video just a One of the messages that yeah, يعني you can grow spiritually without going to church. Church is not important in your life. وطبعاً ده تعليم خطر لإنه we know that both enrich each other. Your inner room and your prayer and your spirituality in your inner room will enrich your spirituality in the church and being in the church and your attendance in the church will enrich this. That's why St. Paul in his letter to Hebrews, he encouraged the people not to forsake the church as this is the custom of some. And became the custom of, of many people in whom they don't go to church. You can find it in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The assembling of ourselves together means in the church. So all these folk that say, no, you don't need the church, can grow spiritually by your own self, and this is opportunity to experience God by yourself, it's again the, the biblical uh, teaching. And they like the song and start to share it together, uh, and they spread all this false theology through this. There is nothing called denominations. ف... وبعدين فوجئت ان ميني بيبول زي لايك يعني احنا ما عندناش ديسيرمنت انف 
سو انيثينج يعني ولايك يلا شوف المحبه فعلا بنحب بعض ومفيش حاجه بقى اسمها بروستانت ولا كاتوليك فبي بي وايز يعني هاف ديسيرمنت اوعوا تتخدعوا ساتن هيستور از ديسيبشن ديسيف يو بي وايز اند هاف ديسيرمنت تو بي ايبل تو جادج اند سي نو ذس از ا ديسيفينج ثوت فروم ذا ديفل اتس اجين از سكريبشن To the point of the gospel, I don't make an effort to say, well, you know, do this research or do that, because at the end of the day, it's like, sure, I'm passive, and that you do you, I'll do me, and whatever. Like, I tried, and it's coming at your expense. As, as I answered your previous question, you are the light of the world. The Lord said, be witnesses of me. You should be ready to defend your faith. Mm-hmm. If, if you love your friend and he is walking in the wrong direction, you need to testify for the truth. At the end, if he's going to just argue and argue, let's say, stay away from foolish discussions. But maybe some people are just deceived. And if they know the truth, you can change your life, uh, change their life, say the truth. If they're going to get into a vague argument and um, foolish argument, stay back. No read, yeah, don't waste your time in foolish argument like this. Like maybe some people are deceived. So you need actually, if you know the truth, you need to testify for the truth. Um, I wanted to ask about the practical practice of humility, how to um, gain virtues in general without, uh, with, with love. Two daughters of humility is obedience and service. Obedience. يعني uh, just be an easygoing person. Don't just make an argument about everything except in the truth. But other than this, خلاص Some people actually, with every choice, with every decision, they give her time and argue and argue. This comes from arrogant spirit. But the meek person is an easygoing person. The other thing is service. In the he wants to serve everybody. As the Bible says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. When your service is unknown, some people they want to serve. So everybody will take notes of them. This service is backed by pride, not, not by humility. But if you serve somebody in secret, and you support somebody in secret, that's the true service. And by Musa, when he used to wake up at night and take all the jars of the fathers and go and fill it water and put it back, and nobody knows that he was doing this. So he was serving his brothers, but in secret, and no one يعني, knew this about him. So how do we spread the word of God and give it to the, the people who don't 
necessarily know without sounding like we're forcing it, like we're trying to like put it on them. But it's, it's not an easy transaction. If you just share it, leaving to them the the choice to to follow or not to follow, you are not forcing. I, I don't know why, when it comes to the word of God, we feel we are forcing people. If you tried a new drink, you say to your friends, you know, this new drink, I, I like it. Are you forcing this? When you tell them, try this new drink, you are not forcing. At the end, it is choice to, to say yes or no. If, مثلاً, you watch it a movie, you know, and I watched this movie and I, I like it very much. You are not forcing anything. Why, when it comes to the fear of God, uh, word of God, we feel we are, for, we are not forcing. And today I read a chapter from the scripture uh, and it touched my heart. It speaks about so and so and so. You are not telling him anything. You are just, just sharing with him. Now? And, give him, and let me tell you a true story. One time in, in the plane, we're sitting three next to each other. Usually, and I like to sit in the aisle, but then can be a bent in the middle. Uh, most probably she was uh, Catholic, uh, Mexican, and bent in the window. Bent in the American Protestant. And then turbulence did out of time. يعني it was very scary. فالبنت اللي في البوست اللي هي الكاثوليك راحت مطلعة البيبل بتاعها من شنطتها وقالت هي بتكلم نفسها she was not talking to me or to the other girl. she بتكلم out loud. you know what? أنا when I'm scared the best place to go to is the Bible. so I'm gonna read from the Psalms. أو فتح البيبل وعدت تقرأ from the book of Psalms. البنت اللي قاعدة عند الشباك بالرغم أنها she was not directing the word to her راحت قالت uh, you know what أنا for a very very long time I did not read the Bible even I don't know whether I have a Bible or not the first thing I will do when يعني we land I will buy a Bible uh, يعني البنت الكاتولكية دي she did not preach she just said how she feels in itself Send a message to the other girl. She did not feel that she is forcing something. If there is an app on the phone and you like it, you share it with others. Sometimes you share with others. You can share with others a song, a sermon, a, 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 something from the scripture, saying of the church fathers. Just share it. At the end, they have the option just to delete it and to block you. Holier than that. Let them perceive you as they want to perceive. Are you doing this to, to show self-righteousness? Examine yourself. If you are doing this from self-righteousness, don't do it. But if you are doing it because you care about salvation of others, people will say about you what you want to say. Don't let the judgment of the people mandate your behavior or mandate your conduct. You were born in sin and are you teaching us? So they accused him of pride and self-righteousness. 
But he, he didn't care about what they are talking about. Uh, there is a verse, verse 4 in, uh, in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, that says, In him was life, and the life was the life of man. I don't understand this in the verse. What's the idea? Christ is life. This is, it, is it referring to a correlation between life and light? Actually, I answered this during the Arabic sermon today the correlation between the uh, light and the life. How the fathers explain the correlation between the light and the life? Christ is the light of the world. So if you are enlightened, you will be walking in the light. And walking in the light means walking according to the word of Christ, because the word of God is light. Your word is light to my uh, feet and a lamp to my way. And, and St. John in his letter gave an example. If you say you are walking in light, but you hate your brother, then you are in darkness. Right? Then St. John said, but if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. Like why Cain killed Abel? Because he hated him. So murder starts by hatred. So if you hate your brother, you are in darkness and you are a murderer. And if you are a murderer, no murderer has life in himself. So if a person is a murderer, then he is under the sentence of death. If he repented and walked in the commandment of God, then he is in life and in light. So the verse that the Buddha is saying in John chapter 1, Jesus came to give us life, but he also the light of the world. You cannot have life without light, and you cannot walk in the light and, and, and you are under sentence of death. So this correlation between life and light, uh, even in one of the Psalms, and I'll tell you in the so he made connection. You have the fountain of life, and with your light, we shall see life. We all love we all love the fasting season. But what is what is the origin of the the, the, the fifty five days? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, I want first to say, if some of you are referring to the week of Herakl or Heraclius, it is wrong. And in the monthly letter that I sent to the fathers, uh, and it's on our website, and if you go under literature, you'll find monthly letters for the priests. And you, if you go and read uh, March 2021, there is a, a one page explaining why it is wrong. We don't face fast for Heracl. And it is the 55 days or the eight weeks. Hercules week. Yeah, and if you don't know it, don't trouble yourself with it. Heracles, he killed the Jews, so he asked the Christian uh, to fast one week for him. So many people say the first week is where fast for him. But fast for him. Actually, we mentioned references that the eight week fasting is before the story of Heracles. Mm. It's before, with the reference from good in the monthly letter. So the idea, or let me explain the idea of the eight weeks first, and then I will explain how it came to Egypt. The idea of the eight weeks came 
ان الناس عايزين يصوموا 40 days طيب احنا وي نو ان اون ساتردي اند ساندي ذير از نو ابستن فاكشلي افري داي وي ابستين اونلي هاو ميني دايز فايف سو اف يو وونت تو ابستين 40 دايز هاو ميني ويكس يو نيد تو فاست 8 8 ويكس بس 5 باي 8 از سو ذا بيبول ان جيروسالم يوزد تو فاست 8 ويكس ان ايجيبت ذي يوزد تو فاست 40 دايز اند ذا هولي ويك بعد كده الناس كانت بتروح جيروسالم يقدسوا وبعد ما يرجعوا يلاقوا هناك بيصوموا 8 ويكس فيرجعوا يقولوا ايه بص انا طالما قدست سنس اي فيزيتد ذا توم اوف كرايست From now on, I will fast like Jerusalem. Then, right now, many people fast Siyam al-Adra three days a day. Some people they fast al-Adra from one of August three days. It grew among the people to fast eight weeks. For many people, So it became actually at the end. Everyone in, in, in Egypt fasting eight weeks. And when they returned, Arahna will fast like the people in Jerusalem. Okay. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.